0: Leanne from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society, also known as AMSS, and welcome to Think Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We will be talking about everything from tips and myths on gear, maintenance, techniques, education, and so much more with some very informed guests. Thank you for joining us today. On today's podcast, I'm super excited to have our very own Minister of Transportation and Minister of Municipal Affairs, the Honorable Rick MacGyver, is joining us. Welcome to the show, Minister.
1: Great to be here with you, Leanne.
0: Thank you again for everything that you do. Um, to get kicked off on this, though, I know, and I'm not sure everybody out there knows, I know you're a rider. So tell me a little bit about how long you've been riding and what got you into that.
1: I have been riding about 35 years, uh, not my whole life. I started as an adult, um, uh, something I always thought I would like to do. In fact, it's it's funny. Um, when I was 17, I, I uh, come home one day and I said to my dad, great news. I'm getting a motorcycle. He says, oh, that's nice. He says, uh, uh, "You haven't done that yet, have you?" I said, "No." He says, "Cause I, I got a question for you." He says, "Well, where are you going to park it?" I says, "Well, I don't know up in front." He says, "You won't be living here if you have a motorcycle, so you'll have to park it somewhere else." So he uh, he slowed down. He slowed down my progress. It might have had something to do with the fact that I was getting in car accidents every second year, and didn't want me to have that happen on a motorcycle. And and, uh, and, and frankly, I uh, later on I had the same similar discussion with my son. Who wanted a motorcycle? And I said, you know, why don't you go uh, one full calendar year without bumping into a solid object <laughs> in your car, and then we'll talk. So it's worked out. My son, my son's a rider too, and, and uh, he's uh, he's kept safe doing it. So um, maybe maybe that was why, So so I got started. I wanted to start when I was seventeen, and uh, and it was kind of uh, life got in the way. And one day I stopped at a garage sale. And they had a motorcycle for sale, and I bought it.
0: What was it?
1: Uh, I still have it. It's a 1982 Yamaha Seika 750 Seika, red. Nice. We, we affectionately known as the Red Rocket around our house. It hasn't it uh, it's uh, hasn't been on the road here for three four years. But uh, my son and I keep saying we're gonna uh, we're gonna uh, take it in the garage and and weld on long forks on it and use it for a fun ride. So oh. we haven't, haven't quite got around to doing that yet, but, uh, yep, yeah, that's it. That's so what are I'm you,
0: what are you riding, riding now?
1: Uh, I got two bikes. Uh, they both got some age on them. I got a 2001 Goldwing, um, 1800. Uh, it's got, uh, I don't know, 132,000 K on it or something. About half of that was mine. I bought it secondhand from a friend of mine. And, uh, 2005 Roadstar, uh, 1700, uh, Yamaha, uh, it's a nice bike too. It's my it's my baby. That's that's the one. That's the uh, that's the metal mistress. That one.
0: There's nothing wrong with having bikes with age in your garage. I got a couple myself. Do you and your son get out on a lot of father son rides?
1: I wouldn't say a lot, but we get out when we can, uh, and that's uh, certainly uh, birthdays, Father's days. Those are occasions where we make a point of it. But in between, then whenever we can go 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 wherever we sometimes we just go down to the crow's nest pass and sometimes do the highwood pass out the drum heller sometimes he when i i get i take the bike once in a while up to edmonton when when i'm when i'm working and sometimes he'll either ride up and come back with me or ride up with me and then stay overnight and take off in the morning here but uh so we get out we semi-regularly we get out for a ride
0: yeah you guys are a little closer to the fun roads down there in calgary than we are up here in edmonton i Envious of that. Do you have any uh, fears when you're in roads like that, though?
1: No, I, I wouldn't say that. i only. Uh, well, let me say this: uh, I love riding; it's like my favorite thing. But a person needs to always be just afraid enough to pay attention.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: my wife, who rides up with me, two up with me sometimes, uh, insists that I'm a better uh, driver on a motorcycle than I am in a car. It's probably because I'm paying more attention. Um, because you have to, right? I always play the game where the invisible game, I call it, where you just assume no one will see you and they will cut you off. They will turn into your lane when it's your, clearly your right of way. They will, they, they will drive over, change the lanes right where you are. And, and through pretending I'm invisible and preparing for that, I've kind of stayed in one piece.
0: It's kind of nice for everybody to understand that we have somebody at your level in government who actually fully understands what our fight is out on the road for lack of a better term because I know when I get on my bike I'm like oh today I could die but as you said that keeps me very alert of what's going on around me
1: yeah yeah no it it is and so you got to understand the reality because I don't know about you but but other riders listening probably have made the odd mistake and not seen a biker before too when they're driving right I know I have. And boy, as a rider, that really, I, that really uh, rocks me a little bit. And, and I think, wow. Uh, and, but it's uh, but for people that don't ride a bike, they don't understand, uh, they you just can't count on them looking for you.
0: Yeah. That's one of my biggest fears is uh, not seeing a bike at the wrong time, especially with promoting safety so much. It's extra diligence out there. And, um, I want to move on a little bit to our partnership because we have had such a wonderful arrangement with Alberta Transportation over the last few years um, through some grant programs in our community, mobilization consultant. What does that partnership mean to you guys? Because I certainly know what it means to us, and we talk about that often. But what does it mean to your ministry?
1: Well, let me just say, uh, number one priority at Alberta Transportation is safety. Whether it's trucks, cars, motorcycles, pedestrians, everything cyclists. Uh, and uh, so you know what? there's uh, our partnership with AMSS is important because there's probably, in my opinion, no more effective way to talk to motorcyclists than to have motorcyclists talking to motorcyclists that understand. and and uh, so thank you for being part of that and get the message out through the uh, through the grapevine, if you will. And and uh, and feedback in both directions. So for us, it's important. Uh, we're glad you're there. We're glad to be working with you and, and try to you know what we all forget. I'm uh, you know they say it in the books, and I I try to live by it. Uh, the first ride of the year is always the most dangerous. Right, got to got to relearn the balance. There might be some gravel on the road. Reflexes might be a little rusty, uh, and it starts there, and it goes all the way through. Right, like, you, and then of course you got to be careful if you got a passenger because the whole weight shift is just slightly different, and uh, especially at, at at slow speeds, and and uh, um, and it never stops. The whole, you're right. The whole, the whole year, you always got to be uh, looking at uh, what do I have to do to stay safe today. Make sure your bike is in good condition uh, and that everything works. Because you know, with uh, one headlight, you can't really afford to have it out, uh, especially when it's such a major part of other vehicles seeing you on a motorcycle. Uh, when you got two wheels, you need good tires and you need good brakes every single time, not most of the time. So all that stuff comes in. So. Uh, having a venue to, like, you—you you are that venue in this case—to to communicate that directly to people that uh, that ride and, and care about safety for riders, uh, very valuable for us.
0: And we're happy that we also have the ear on the other side to bring concerns to the table if there are some, and and where we can all work together to create that safer road experience for everyone. So. I appreciate the openness and and the back and forth that we've been able to have um, with Alberta Transportation. It definitely means a lot to us as well. Um, Last year, as you know, we saw a a significant increase in collisions and specifically fatalities. Now, I know uh, for those listening, the statistics the finalized statistics from the province come out a little bit later, and there are reasons for that. So we're going based off of what we had tracked last year and had 11 more fatalities than the year before with 21. What are some of the reasons you think that that increase happened during this anomaly of a COVID year?
1: Well, to be clear, I could I, I guess I can speculate, which is always dangerous, but I don't know. The only answer I can give you is I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, some of the things that I think could be possible is that uh, could be new riders didn't get as much time to practice with a trusted friend to follow a trust. You know, what I mean, when I first started, right? You know, riding, I had a couple buddies that I uh, used to try to go with, and I if we were several of us around. I tried never to be first or last, to be in the middle of the pack get to get the feel of things, get the, you know, uh, maybe it could be, they could have been new to see what I don't know is the background, whether they were new, new riders or experienced writers who was new riders. I think that might have something to do with it due to COVID. Uh, it, uh, they have just had been because people didn't get out as often and, and weren't as practiced, um, when, when, when they were out there. So those are a couple of reasons that might be, but at the end of the day, I might, the only answer I can really give you is I don't know the other stuff I just said, just guesses.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of where we're at too with speculation based on what was reported by police and news and there being speed or, you know, perhaps it's lack of skills. As you know, the the schools were shut down last year and licensing was not available until later on. Then we had that backlog from the previous years. And I think all of that coupled together probably created this, weird phenomenon that unfortunately saw some more lives being taken at the end of the day. You're also right. We don't know their history, which would be a good thing to know if they had taken rider training or not, or if they're new or, you know, but those are unknowns. And I believe there's still unknowns with you guys, even when you get your statistics finalized.
1: Well, usually there's a reason for the collision. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the, the the police, you know, they do their investigation, and especially if there's a death, they they do a more serious investigation for for obvious reasons, and they try to assign a, a cause. Uh, but for what I think I know, uh, driver inattention. Uh, if you if you, if it's dangerous, uh, texting in a. Car it's twice as dangerous texting in a bike. <laughs> um, I, I think most people don't text, but but uh, you know what? Lots of times they're on they're on the phone, you know. Or even you know, for me, I got a a senna on my helmet, and, and uh, I can you know talk through the Bluetooth to other riders. So I can uh, talk to the phoneers if if uh, people call me when I'm riding. So, um, but uh, going into a corner too fast, right? Gravel on the road when you're going through a corner. Um, you just yeah just you know it's like a sec- it could be three seconds of inattention, um that's all it takes,
0: yeah, or riding outside of your means, trying to keep up with more experienced riders, and I think that's a good reminder to everybody is ride to your skills, it's good to push yourself a little bit, but stay yeah. within your means,
1: yeah. uh, that's great advice, you know what if, if you're riding with people better than you, you just gotta. Fall over and let them go away, and then go at your own speed, or fall behind. and And if people won't slow down for you, then maybe you need to find different people to ride with because they don't care enough about you to stay alive. That's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, or, and
1: I don't have the patience for you to get good enough that you can keep up. But yeah. either, either way, putting your life uh, putting your life in the balance because you want to be one of the cool kids that's that's just stupid.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. I try to surround myself with like-minded people that you either set up those check-in points or everybody sticks together. And, you know, it's being responsible with that. Talking a little bit about licensing, um, as we had mentioned, there was no licensing to start off last year, but... There was that other issue before that, that that your ministry seems to have corrected a little bit, which is getting more examiners back onto the program. So with that, I can see there being more availability again, correct?
1: Oh, yeah. Just two weeks before the last election, the the previous government uh, nationalized driver examinations uh, after, I mean... I'm not saying there wasn't some improvements that needed to be made to the driver examiner system, but basically it was a system that Albertans knew, loved, trusted, and depended upon for decades, and it worked. Mm -hmm. Um, And instead of fixing up the shortfalls, they blew it all up and said, now you're going to be a government agency completely. Well, the problem with that is uh, they're independent contractors. They had about 155 or or 100, whatever it was, uh, over 150, and went down to 77 driver examiners in March at the beginning of the busiest part of the year. So as you might imagine, we were like, we were built when I, when I became two weeks later, when I became transportation minister again, then uh, I was behind the eight ball and, and we were in trouble. So we started uh, hiring. And of course you can't pick somebody off the street on Monday and have them doing driver exams on a motorcycle on Tuesday. They've got to go through their, the training, right. and the qualifications and the, character in the background checks and then so you're looking at four to six weeks, sometimes more to get somebody off the street and and confident that they can teach somebody else or judge whether somebody else can pass their motorcycle test or not. So, so you don't send people out there to, to hurt themselves. Um so needless to say, so we started hiring right away and, and uh right now we're somewhere over two hundred driver examiners, way more even <laughs> Excuse me. Than there was before, so so that's it's getting better now, and we're getting caught up. And we went back to the tried and true system delivered by the registry agents who have been great. Mm-hmm. So now, instead of going to the government website and, and not being able to get a an exam time, and then phoning again and again, and and uh, you know uh, phoning at midnight and three in the morning and everything else, you go to your local registry agent, book a test, book a time. Go take your test, pass it or fail it, go home. Um, It's very much more straightforward and and I got to tell you, the hate mail I was getting, I mean, people that couldn't get a test, and I don't blame them, I'm not, I'm not, people, when you're getting lousy service from your government, you should complain. And we were given lousy service because we didn't have the bodies to do the tests through the busiest part of the year. So we struggled our way through it, and and we fought our way back, and now we're back with the uh, registry agents who are doing a great job. There's a couple of municipalities in Alberta where there were still a driver examiner or two short, but I would say over the for the most part, uh, we're we're getting caught up. The system's working well. Um, they're doing a great job, and we've added some accountability for the driver examiners. For now, they all have uh, GPS-enabled tablets that they are required to carry. And uh, so we know, so we're getting more consistency too, which is one of the issues. Sometimes one driver test would take five minutes, the other would take 35 minutes and, and you get the same license. Well, that isn't right. So now we know exactly what time that the test starts, exactly what route they go, what time the test ends. There's a, there's a consistent checklist for skills and, and things that driver, that uh, that people taking the test have to have. So it's more fair, it's more reliable, it's uh, it's better all the way around, I think.
0: Well, I can tell you safely with uh, the various different Facebook groups that I'm in, the anger towards the government for the lack of uh, testing slots has definitely decreased. So you can take some solace in the fact that well, that what you're doing is working, and that that's a good thing.
1: Well, um, that was that was transportation or staff in Alberta Transportation. They, like they did an amazing job of getting through all the all of this process.
0: Yeah, you're definitely getting caught up. There is one part of the driver licensing road test that has not returned that I'm not sure uh, I'd like your opinion on. Um, Prior to the change that the previous government had made, uh, new riders could start and end their road test from the training facility that they took their training from. And that was so that they could use the bike that they learned on and be at a safe space. To leave and come back to uh, it was a comfort thing. It was, you know, mm-hmm. they could practice a bit before they went out on the road, and the examiner met them at the site. Do you see that returning at any time, or uh, something to look into?
1: Oh no, it's something to look into. I would say to you, I was uh, blissfully unaware that was a problem. Uh, but when I got my license, I I, uh, I went to the uh, registry. I wrote my little written test and I got a beginner's license where I wasn't allowed to ride at night and I wasn't allowed to have passengers and all the rest of that stuff. And I wrote it to the registry agent, met the the, uh, person, took my test, and I was fortunate enough to pass it. So then I went home with a driver's license. But I could have gone home on the bike even if I didn't pass. It just would have been still with the same rules. Can't ride at night, can't take a passenger and everything. And if we're not doing that, maybe that's something we have to reconsider. So-
0: well, when I when I no. licensed it was a lot test and so I missed out oh, on the whole road test thing and then road test got put in, I think, two years later and I'm like, Whoo, just got in under the wire, although I nearly failed in figure eights, but say levy, um, managed to get through. But after that, like the schools really encouraged the that relationship with registries and the schools so that, you know, they could come together And they go out on their test and come back. And it was great for the students who could then celebrate with their instructors when they got back if they had passed. And that little bit, the, the schools are still working with registries and they tend to each pick one, but then they need to transport the bikes over there and get everybody set up so that nobody's riding illegally over to meet their examiner.
1: You know what, Leanne? That's a great thing to think about. I will say this though: we, uh, we, one of the changes we made is that we made it so you cannot be uh, a, a tester and a teacher. Mm-hmm. You have to pick your lane um, because there was, well, the vast, vast, vast majority of people were uh, doing it straight up. There was some, some suspicion of some uh, conflict of interest there, uh, and I, I hope you would agree that can't be tolerated.
0: Oh, so, absolutely.
1: So while we've separated the two functions for sure, you can't own a registry agent and a uh, training school.
0: Yeah, um, and I don't think that's what the schools have, but we you work can't, with. But, you,
1: but you can have a working relationship with them. And as you said, they probably do. And and that's something uh, probably because, well, not probably because we've had this conversation. I will talk to our folks about how we can encourage that more. That, that's uh, That's a legitimately good idea.
0: Yeah, and I think this like we work with four schools, two here and two in Calgary. And as far as I know, none of them also own a registry, so they wouldn't have been part of that conflict. Which I totally agree. Conflict on an ethical level is never uh, a good thing. But it, I think, that would be something that would be great to look into. One other tough question for you before I uh, let you go is: Has the government ever considered any type of a motorcycle specific? Graduated driver license program?
1: Not in the time I've been there. Like I said, I kind of thought back when I got my license, that's kind of what I had. I I had what was kind of a learner's license that I passed the written test and and then I could ride again, not at night and never with a passenger. I was kind of like a learner's license in my opinion. Um, I guess it's worth going, looking at that again. Um, Just, yeah. It's I not, think
0: it's, it's not something it's, we've
1: thought of what I, since I've been there.
0: I think the where that comes from mostly is when you have a new rider, and for me, it's regardless of age. I don't care if you're young and sixteen or if you're forty, whatever, and and you go decide you want to ride a motorcycle, and your very first bike is a super high-powered machine that perhaps maybe shouldn't be your first bike. Mm. Type of thing. You know, that's kind of where I think the concern yeah. from the street is is that some fresh off of course person could go in and buy yeah. like a high powered sport bike, for instance.
1: And and that was the conversation I had with my son. He said, Dad, I'm getting a motorcycle license. He says, Are you? He says, Yeah, I gotta get a Hayabusa. It's the world's <laughs> fastest production uh street bike. he says, Oh, great. And that's what I said, so how long how many weeks has it been since you bumped into somebody with your car? Well, not that many. I says so. If you're on a bike, how would that have turned out? He says, "Well, I might have got hurt, and I might not." I says, "Right, wouldn't it, wouldn't?" It? So, so we negotiate. Actually, I put the red rocket back on the road then, and and uh, we, I put some money into it, got it safety, knew everything that it needed. I says, "Son, this is your bike again. I want you to give me 365 days." That safety. And then you can buy any bike you want. And he actually, he didn't have to say yes. He was, an, he was a man, not a boy. But he was he was uh, kind enough to his old man to say, yeah, I'll do that for you. So I'm very grateful because he's still alive. We still get the ride. It's fantastic.
0: I love that approach, though. Like I mean, my parents never got to do that with me because I left home and then got into riding. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I started responsibly and, and built my way up. So I'm glad that you did that with your son. Do you talk gear with him as well
1: yeah, a little bit he, he uh he's he's got different bikes than he's got a ktm uh on off-road on-road one that he takes he's been he's been to alaska and back and and uh a bunch of places and uh he's got a, a harley uh what's the one with no bags on it or everything big engine no bags um
0: Oh, you're asking a triumph Fast. girl.
1: <laughs> Fast. Anyways, he's got a he's got a beautiful Harley. He's got that. He he had a uh, Japanese sports bike, uh, Kawasaki or something, the nine hundred or something, went like stink. Uh but now he's got the KTM and the and the Harley. So,
0: so the the McGivers are a big bike family. That's good to know.
1: So I know. Oh no, we got Senna so that we can talk when we're riding together and, and uh yeah, it's fun.
0: I just got one put in my helmet last year, and I didn't get out as much as I want to. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that all connection when you're riding with your buddies works. No yeah, more, well, more signals to pull over to pee or something.
1: Right? Exactly. Well, my son showed me the the thing. I didn't read the instructions, I guess, because I was trying to. to get, he took mine off his helmet, and you, when you shake them together, they sink. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's- laughs> The the sennas that got that feature, you you shake it hard like like you're trying to to uh, knock a fish out after you caught it or or something, you know what I mean? And and uh, then they sink.
0: I don't know if I believe you or not.
1: I just <laughs> Google, it. Google it. No, Leanne, Leanne, I'm not. I'm not uh, I know bikers do that to one another, but I'm not. Doing, <laughs> I'm not doing it to you right now. You Google it, and you senna, you'll find that sennas sink. When you hold them both in your hand and and, and shake them like you're trying to get the water off your hand after washing your hands and they, they sink. It was so and,
0: nice. and on that note I don't even know what else we could talk about. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up and I will send you an email when I find the answer. <laughs> but did you have anything else that you would like to share with us before we take off for the day?
1: I don't know. I just uh, encourage people to ride within your means, to ride safe, to to uh, respect other riders. Um, you know what? I'm probably going to make some of your listeners unhappy with me. I'm not a big fan of loud pipes. I'm a fan of loud-ish pipes. Okay. I have friends with loud pipes, and I'm happy to ride with them. I have one friend, a woman, just for the record, her and her her husband, and and I she rides her own bike. And I I'd say, okay, I'm not riding with you unless you ride me. And it's not about being sexist. It's about I I am not gonna have a headache ten minutes after I'm writing because your pipes are that loud. So so some of your listeners are probably say, Oh, that guy I thought he might be cool, but no, he's not. But that's okay. I, I I don't mind loud pipes, but I think there's a limit to the loudness.
0: Well, I'll join you on the No Cool Kids Club because I am not a fan of loud pipes either. Same reason, don't want the headache from people in front of me. You can be behind me, that's great. But uh I really don't think loud pipes save your lives. I think skills do. And we should always remember that. Never depend on your equipment to save your life. Depend on your head.
1: Amen, sister. I'm with you on that.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, I again, I want to thank the Honorable Rick MacGyver for his time today and all this great information. We got into some, some neat topics that I know were questions out there from our listeners. To make sure that you don't miss any of our upcoming podcasts or listen to previous ones, please make sure you subscribe. If there's a topic that you'd like us to cover or a guest that you think would be great on our show, please let us know. How? Well, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, where you'll also get more information on motorcycle safety and awareness, or reach out through our website at ab-amss.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe, and think bike. See you out on the road.